Welcome to Creep Me Out with Tarot Reader Peter. Before we get started here, I just want to preface this for the people that don't know what this podcast is going to be about. In this show, I will be using my knowledge of witchcraft and the occult, as well as my intuitive gifts, to help advise and critique listener-submitted creepy stories and experiences. Because of the subjects that we'll be discussing, some might find the following stories disturbing or shocking. Listen at your own risk. I just wanted to say that I am really excited to start this podcast. I'm really excited that I get to host this for you guys and that we get to read through these creepy stories together. So I hope that you're ready to go on a creepy adventure with me. Our first email comes from Homie Toad on Instagram. Their email reads as follows. I saw your post on Instagram the morning I woke up from this dream, so it's still fresh in my mind. It started out with me running through a trail on what looked like a ranch while music from a festival played in the distance. It was played out very cinematically. I had an absurdly large backpack on and I started going door to door to see if anyone would let me stay at their place for a few days. The first home lived on a farm. They seemed like a quaint family. They accepted my offer, but for some reason I went looking for other places to stay. I can't remember the homes in between, but the last one I stopped at was a larger lady who lived alone with her pets. She looked to be a hoarder. Sewing kits, cat condos, and clothes galore. Overall, she seemed kind and eager for company. When I asked her if she had a place I could stay, she excused herself to go clean up the guest room for me. I offered to help her, but she insisted I stayed. This is where the dream caught me off guard. While I was waiting, the dream showed me her sticking what looked like elaborately decorated safety pins on her ass. A pin for each cheek. She then began sticking pins and sewing needles through her skin. Everywhere, basically. For some reason, with an emphasis on her ass and her face. She seemed to gain pleasure from it. She was sticking them to where the needle poked through the skin, back out the other end, and left them in her skin. Needles began collecting on all of her cheeks and all over her face. She then went to slide a very long needle through the skin of her forehead. After this, the person I embodied in this dream grew impatient and started to make my way to her to see what was going on. She panicked when she heard me coming, and through her scrambling, she stabbed herself in the side of the mouth with a pair of scissors. The scissors were at an angle where it pierced through the side of her cheek and towards the back of her throat. It was clear now that she was deranged. When I actually saw her, I froze. It seemed I shrunk and she towered over me. It was as if she was no longer human, but a bulging, bloody mess. In her distress... She began to convulse like she was having a seizure, still stumbling towards me. This moment dragged on until she finally fell to the floor with a thud. Even after her death, I was seeing her standing and staring at me. Around this time, I kind of broke the fourth wall and I watched it through a TV screen. Then I took one of the cats and I left. 
Not entirely sure what to make of this dream. The first thing that I thought of when I read this through was that this was probably a lucid dream because the way that she described it as cinematic. And the thing about lucid dreams is they could be very strange, very vivid. And most of the time they are sending you a message from your subconscious. I think that the message that was coming through here to me at least was that you are choosing to be in a place that is messier or in a place that is more complicated when you have better options. I also highlighted in my my printout of this story looked to be a hoarder cat condos and she insisted I stay. So I I highlighted all of that because those are the red flags that you should look out for when you're picking to stay with a stranger. It's clear to me that one of the most, if not the most, mysterious part about this story is that at the end, you took one of this crazy deranged lady's cats and you just left peacefully. That part doesn't really sit right with me. I think that what it's referencing is that you are taking care of other people even when you are yourself are not secure. My final thoughts here are just that all of the gore with all of the needles and, and the crazy deranged lady, I think that that's basically just the metaphor for oppression in your waking life. So look to the areas in your life that you're experiencing oppression or that you're experiencing feeling feeling small. Moving on to the next story, it reads as follows. I flatlined in a car accident when I was 19 and my boyfriend passed away. I'm 23 now and after I was let out of the hospital, I kept getting sleep paralysis. The very last one I had, I was laying in bed and everything was dark and misty and I couldn't find the strength to get up from my bed. I kept reaching for my doorknob, but it was like I kept falling back. Suddenly, I felt scared and I started praying and writing the cross on my thigh and I physically felt two strong hands scoop me up from under my back and lift me up out of bed so I could wake up. Ever since that accident, I feel like I've traveled somewhere else and came back only to feel like an alien, like I don't belong on this planet. First off, I just wanted to say that I'm very sorry to hear that this happened to you. This is obviously a very deep and heavy thing for you to express and thank you for sharing your story with us. Second, sleep paralysis is a very mysterious thing, but what a lot of people that frequently experience sleep paralysis have in common is that they have been through some serious trauma in their life. The way that I like to view sleep paralysis is that a lot of the times it is a very intense emotion that you're maybe trying to suppress or that you're you're trying to walk away from or you're not letting out into your waking life that is forcing its way out of you while you're sleeping so that you're having this very lucid, very vivid nightmare experience in between waking up and being asleep. Hearing about your experience where you couldn't find the strength to get up from your bed reminds me of my own experience with sleep paralysis, which is very similar to that uh, I was basically laying in my bed, I turned my head, I saw a creature crawling in through the window, 
And no matter how hard I tried, I could not pick my arms up. So I know what that feels like, and that is an extremely horrifying feeling. I believe that the piece of the dream, the piece of the sleep paralysis where two strong hands scooped you up, I feel like that is a message from your boyfriend that passed away saying that he's still there with you. And so the final piece that I want to address about this story is you mentioned that you flatlined in an accident. And so whenever we're talking about crossing the threshold between life and death and crossing the planes of, of reality, I think that you can very easily gain some negative attachments while you're in that, that state between life and death. So I think that it's extremely important to take on spiritual protection and spiritual cleansing as a part of your normal routines after something like that. If you're not already protecting yourself, if you're not already consistently cleansing yourself, I recommend that you do that. I recommend that you take on protection as part of your daily ritual, um, especially if you are continuing to feel like, you know, like an alien on, on earth, basically, like you don't belong here. I feel like that could indicate that there is some sort of negative energy that you're still wading through from this experience. Before I move on to the next story here, I just wanted to tell you guys something weird that happened to me. So the other day while I was I was reading through all of the emails that were submitted to Creep Me Out podcast, and while I was reading them, I was playing the emails with the text-to-speech feature, and my phone was reading them in such a strange way, like almost like there was interference to the stories Like it was reading those sentences wrong, saying the wrong words. It was one of the strangest things. And at the same time, it was just so perfectly fitting for this podcast. Okay, so now moving on to our next story. Our next story reads as follows. In 1996, I was four years old. We moved into this home in the Bay Area that had a crawl space underneath. It all started with when my mom would come home and she'd hear music playing and when she would open the door, it would shut off. My sister would hear dishes being done or water running when no one was home. Then there was this strange smell. My sister said it seemed to only be in the backyard. It was a smell I've never smelled before in my life, and I remember it vividly to this day. It was so awful. It just got weirder and scarier. My mom's glasses would go missing. She couldn't find them for five days and they'd pop up on the kitchen counter. My parents would find homemade knives in the most random places around the house. And every time they'd put them away somewhere, they'd go missing again. We started getting really freaked out, so we got a dog named Stella. There was a massive statue of Mother Mary in the backyard and she would bark at it nonstop. One day, my dad went out and it was face down. It was insane we didn't hear it fall. It was a cement statue the size of an adult. My bedroom was always really cold, no matter the weather. My sister one night decided to sleep in there with me, and she was woken up to what felt like a hand going over her legs and pulling the covers off. She never slept there again. Our living room had a wall covered in mirrors, As you may have assumed, my memories are far and few since I was only four. However, 
I do remember playing with the little girl. We cut our own hair and played in those mirrors. The owners were from Portugal, and one day they came to fix something on the house, and I was talking in a made-up language playing with the little girl. The woman asked what I was doing, and my mom told her, just playing pretend, haha. The woman responded, no, your daughter is speaking Portuguese. Apparently, there was no little girl. I was talking into the mirrors, speaking a language no one in my family knew. Turns out, a little girl drowned in the tub of that home. I don't know what my mom was thinking or why she stayed there, but the smells got worse and stayed around longer. The owners of the house hired a professional to come look in that crawl space. The man went under and was back out within minutes. Said he had a really hard time breathing the further he went under, but he saw large six-foot mounds under there. Then the previous renter showed up and warned my parents to leave. Told them he put himself into an asylum because he thought he was going crazy, but the house made him crazy. The last week we lived there, my mom moved her stuff into a wood-paneled room. She stopped sleeping and she refused to leave at all. That week, it got really bad. Anything you put down would be moved or go missing. Creepy noises became constant. My parents don't remember much of the night we left besides a dreaded, creepy, scary feeling. They, like all the past residents, left behind all of their stuff. Even my dad's prized Harley bike he left behind. Recently, I went and I searched for that house. It's so strange. It looks almost normal. As if it never even happened. People never believe me when I tell this story. So it's rare I ever say anything about it. But it very much did happen, and I'm honestly grateful that I don't remember most of it. Okay, so obviously there's a lot to unpack here. I think the first thing that kind of struck me about this story is that the mom would come home hearing music from outside the house and then open the door and it would turn off. A lot of spirits and entities are looking to get that human attention. They're looking to to strike that fear into you. So to turn the music off, it's almost like they didn't want to be noticed, which I think is just so much more horrifying than a spirit looking for your attention, they were trying to go underneath your radar. The next thing that kind of struck me about this story is that your parents were finding homemade knives, which kind of just screams witchcraft at me. I think like that's definitely an indicator that it's not just a regular haunting that your family's experiencing. It's more so there's something implanted in that house that is malicious and trying to really take advantage of the energy that your family is exuding while living there. The next thing I found really interesting about this story was that they mentioned that they had a wall made of mirrors in their living room. And I thought this was interesting because growing up at my mom's house, we had a wall made of mirrors in the living room. And so when I got to that part in this story, I was really able to place myself there knowing what that looks like in real life. And then I think obviously one of the most shocking parts of this story is that you were speaking Portuguese to a little girl that was not physically there. 
I think that this really speaks to the capabilities of children in connecting with the spirit world. Think about how much energy it must take to actually speak a language that you do not physically know, that you have not actually heard. That influence from the spirit world is very heavy. What kind of affirms to me that this is definitely some sort of witchcraft influence over this house is the six foot mounds that were found in the crawl space. Either those are bodies, which is horrifying to think about, or those are some sort of buried spells that are still taking hold of whatever lives in that house. And a lot of people that experience some sort of invasive spell work in their life have this very dreamlike memory loss of the entire situation, which kind of coincides with how you're explaining this experience. So it's definitely very affirmed to me that this is some sort of spell work that was planted underneath this house. I really like that you went back to search for the house because it really shows how much of an impact this event, this house had on your life. And I think even you thinking that the house looks normal is really just like a tribute to how it tries to draw you back into it. Don't go back. Moving on to our next story of the night. This one begins with, Okay, so a few years ago, I went to stay over the weekend at my friend's house. Her and her sister lived in an attic of a big house. This was one of those places where you walk in and you are immediately creeped out. So the first night I stayed over, I had a really bad dream that a vampire was trying to get me. I woke up and told her about it, and she pretty much dismissed it. The next night I had a dream that an evil alien entity was trying to take over my body. I felt that this was no dream. Something was trying to attack me. When I told her this, she said that she sometimes feels that there is something there. She lived on one side of the attic at the front of the house, and her sister lived on the other side. Her sister was a very religious girl who always went to church, though my friend was not. Quite the opposite, actually. So when I told her sister about what happened, she said that we should do a prayer in the house. So we started from the sister's room which had crucifixes and religious objects everywhere. There was a very safe feeling in there. From there, we went to the kitchen, to the bathroom, and then we got to the living room. This living room was the main space where I could not stand to be. Right in front of a side-facing window, actually, is where I felt the most creeped out. So my friend has glass doors in her room, so you could see into her room from the living room. She has curtains to cover the doors, and I would not have been able to sleep at all if she didn't have them. You can literally feel something watching you. So when we get to the living room, we are holding hands, us three, and praying. Suddenly, my friend's sister, the church-going girl, immediately starts shaking and spazzing, and her neck snapped back, and she started speaking in tongues. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's the scariest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. 
My friend got so scared she tried to run away, but something in me just told me that we cannot break the circle. So I grabbed her hand and we just let her sister finish. It felt a little better after, but I got the hell out of there. This was one of the scariest experiences I've ever had, and you better believe I never went to that damn house ever again. This story is like the best cautionary tale as to why you should believe your intuition when you walk into somewhere and you get that feeling that you immediately are uncomfortable or you're immediately creeped out. If you get that feeling, trust that feeling. This might seem like a weird thing to do, but I actually always pay attention to the places that I have nightmares in because if I'm sleeping in a hotel and I'm having nightmares or I'm sleeping in a friend's house and I'm having nightmares, that is a very strong indicator that there is some sort of negative energy around. So it's important to take note of that. The next thing that struck me about this story is that they mentioned that you can almost feel something watching you through the through the glass doors that lead to the bedroom from the living room. And I really think that whenever you get this feeling of this atmosphere that there's eyes on you, you always have to realize that that means that there is some sort of energy that's there with you, something that is actually looking at you, something that's sitting with you. I think that what you guys did right here was grab each other's hands and go around the house affirming that it's a safe space for you um you know saying your prayers and saying basically like for me it wouldn't be prayers it would more so be intentions or declaring the space as my own but I think that's what you guys did right you are definitely very correct in knowing that you shouldn't break a circle if that is a circle of protection so definitely a good move to grab your friend's hand and and keep that circle closed and if I had had a similar experience to that, I probably also would have never gone back to that house. So sounds like you made the right move there as well. Now our next story is going to be another nightmare. It reads, it happened when I was around 15. It's one nightmare I can remember like it just happened. It started with me being in a house that more or less looked like the one we were living in. I was in the attic the house didn't have one in real life, though, and in front of me was this ring of wood like a fence, and the middle was open looking down into the house. On top of the fence were white candles busy melting down. I could hear my mother and my stepfather's mother talking downstairs, so I decided to go down. Then I was standing in front of a couch, my mother standing on the right side, and on the couch was something that looked like my mother but it had long stringy black hair and a weird crooked smile filled with sharp teeth. Its skin was gray. I asked my mother what that is and she called it her Rhine. I remember the spelling from the dream, though I don't know how that's possible. Next thing I know, I'm sitting on her bed and she was there. I looked over into the ensuite bathroom and my stepfather was hunched over in the bath covered in white cloth, his skin gray, and black goo coming out of his mouth. I told my mom that I was afraid, and she said, if it gets really bad, I should tell her, and she'll make the rhine go away. Though, before I could say anything, I was in the next room. 
I was in the lounge again, standing on top of a staircase. Down the stairs, across the lounge a bit, was the door to leave. The Rhine was sitting on the couch on the right side of the room. I sprinted down the stairs. The next thing I know, instead I'm running away from the couch towards the door, and the Rhine lets out a million arms grabbing me, overlapping me from all directions. Before she pulled me in completely, I woke up, jolting out of my bed. I've never had a dream scarier than that. So the first thing that I thought of when I read this dream was that this dream is very all over the place. It goes through a bunch of different scenery very quickly. And whenever you're dealing with a dream like that, you're typically dealing with something that is a direct message from your subconscious in some way. So that being said, I almost feel like the Rhine, the part of your mom that you're afraid of, I feel like that is referencing something in your life that you are afraid of accepting. And I always think it's really interesting how sometimes our dreams, they implant whatever it is they need us to know for the dream to make sense into our minds. So like, it's really interesting that you just know off the top of your head how to spell this, this rhyme, this creature that your mom is introducing you to in this dream. I think that one of the overarching themes of this dream is this feeling of having the safety pulled out from underneath you just as you start to get comfortable in the new room, just as you start to find like this feeling of safety and talking to your mom or whoever is around you at the time, all of a sudden the scene changes and you're in another situation that you can't control or you can't find this feeling of security within. My final thoughts on this dream are that in the end, this rhyme catches you and all encompasses you. So I feel like whatever this, this rhyme represents, whatever issue within yourself this rhyme represents, it will one day catch up with you. So you should take the power into your own hands and confront it on your own terms rather than allow it to pick the time and place that it all encompasses you. To wrap this episode up, I want to tell you guys a story of something that happened to me. So getting into it, it was a warm summer night. It was like 2am. There was absolutely no wind, no breeze at all. I was with my best friend of the time. We were walking down a dark street in between two farms. As we were walking along, we were just talking. We were on our way to my friend's girlfriend's house. And all of a sudden, both of us stop. We hear this scurrying. We look to our left. And just a couple feet away, four or five feet away, there's this little creature with red eyes scurrying on the grass towards a field with really tall grass in it. At that exact moment, all of the tall grass in the field blew straight down with the wind on top of itself, almost like it blew down into the ground. And in the field, 10 to 15 feet away, there was this 8 to 10 foot tall, dark figure just standing there looking at us. There honestly hasn't been many moments in my life where just by looking at something, I'm filled with this extreme dread, almost like all of the happiness was just sapped right out of my body. 
thinking back to this moment, it really feels like I stood there looking at whatever this figure was for so long, but I know that it was just a couple seconds. My eyes just searched and searched for its face, for its eyes, but there were none. And then just like that, both me and my friend took off running as fast as we possibly could. I still to this day say that I've never run faster than this in my entire life. I also, I was so horrified that I couldn't even get a word out. I couldn't yell. It was the only time outside of a dream that I've ever experienced this sensation that I could not get a single word out. We literally ran as fast as we could all the way to my friend's girlfriend's house. And when we got there, we were so scared that we didn't even talk about what we just experienced. We just let it go until years later when we we reconnected and we talked about this experience and learned that both of us saw very similar things and also experienced a very similar overwhelming darkness and dread from whatever this this creature was. During the time period of my life that this happened to me, I was a very angry and hateful person because of what I was going through. And so looking back on this, I truly believe that this was a manifestation of the darkness that I was allowing to fester within myself. And I think that for me, that makes it even just a bit more terrifying because I was the source of this darkness. Me and my friend were the source of this hatred, this dread coming from this field. If it wasn't us, it wouldn't have been there. That being said, I think it's just very important to always express the intense emotions that are inside of you. Don't just bottle them up. Don't allow them to fester and become something that can physically manifest because that can happen and protecting yourself against that is one of the most important things you can do, especially as an intuitive person. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that submitted a creepy story for this week's podcast. We are always looking for more creepy stories. So if you have a weird dream, a story about running with a murderer, an alien abduction, paranormal encounter, a near-death experience, a psychedelic horror story, a witchcraft gone wrong story, or anything else creepy or mysterious that you want to submit to creep me out with Tower Reader Peter, you can submit the story to trpcreepmeout at gmail.com. Both short and long stories are accepted and encouraged. If you would like your social media shouted out with your story, please include that in your request in your email. Thank you all for listening to the first episode of Creep Me Out with Tower Reader Peter. Until next week, guys.